Hi everybody, I'm Jason Ward. Welcome to the Confidently Creative Podcast. I'm joined in this episode by the incredibly creative Kieran Chiswick, who is creative director of the Cabinet of Living Cinema. Now, why I think this episode is going to be amazing for so many people is that we often feel that our creative journey might not be following a kind of traditional or regular path. Have a listen to Kieran's journey and his path, and I think it's going to put your mind at rest because it's certainly unexpected. Enjoy the episode. Uh, I'm Kieran Chiswick, the creative director of Cabinet Living Cinema and the Enchanted Cinema. Um, I've been working in live cinema now for uh, since 2003. Uh, I started off uh, working in nightclubs in Bournemouth. Um, there was one called the Al- Alcatraz. I'm sure it's not still going. But um, they had a really great guy there who was prepared to put on some pretty wild experimental nights. Um, and there we did all sorts of interesting things with people like the Paper Cinema, who've gone on to do really amazing things. They uh, did their first ever night um, at one of our nights. And um, all sorts of other people that have gone on to do interesting things. And then from there, we started to work with people like Fabian Riggle, um, who went on to do Secret Cinema, um, and Punch Drunk, who is still doing absolutely incredible stuff. Um, uh, In London and all over the South, we did quite a lot of touring around with festivals. And we started off, so Fabian actually said to us one day, you know, can you do a live score to these short films that we've got? Because they used to curate short films. It was called Future Shorts. And um, got together with some some other musicians and created live scores to their shorts. And he absolutely loved it. And then we brought in the paper cinema and started to do a sort of live music. And and uh, their, their thing is amazing because they do actually create the, the film you know, in front of the camera sort of thing, uh, using, using sort of cut and paste uh, three-dimensional forms, which is just amazing. Well, they're sort of 2D, but multi-layered. Um, and then we started touring a lot with with those guys. And off the back of that, um, I kind of came up with the concept of the Cabinet of Living Cinema, which is about the, 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 the form of live cinema, in other words, creating live music to films and other sort of live elements to cinema. Um, but we were really interested in in heritage and, and, and sort of local stories and also, you know, strange stories that we came across by complete accident. And we started integrating those into our into our workshops and creating what we call graphic novel animation based on that. So uh, Cabinet of Living Cinema has sort of had two strands. One of them was was very much a live score strand, which is still going. We've been performing places like LSO St. Luke's and doing some of the real classic films from uh, early sort of German expressionist films like Dr. Caligari and Nosferatu, but also stuff like Man with the Movie Camera. So some of that classic live cinema stuff, which is just amazing to do new new scores to. Um, and then at the same time, we've been developing this other strand, which is this very, very interactive strand, often with young people, often with children, in which they help us create either graphic novel animation uh, or mo- most recently, we've sort of got these pop-up animation sets, which is part of our new project that we're launching this year 
so that's that's kind of our journey really it's fascinating and it is a great journey from sort of nightclubs to to where you are now and it's interesting to me that you have uh developed two separate strands of of your kind of creative practice are they unified by one source of creative inspiration or one sort of kind of creative impetus yeah, that's a good question um i think the live score element is is very much inspired by musical forms so and 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 other lives and other composers i should say like ennio morricone um and 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 weimar music and and you know folk music from across europe like klezmer which is a huge influence for us and our scottish and irish music folk music um so we're working with a harp player at the moment gareth wilkins He's a huge folky. <laughs> He's gone from being a jazzer to a folky. Uh, I don't think he'll mind me saying that. And um, he's bringing in some absolutely incredible um, folk music uh, sounds and elements to the live scores. So that's that's one. That's that's the live score stuff with all these different disparate musical elements that we bring in together. And we've worked with incredible musicians over the years: um, Camilla Tirado, Joe Perry, uh, Tim Carp. Fiona Fay, Josh Middleton, as I said, and Gareth Wilkins. I'm definitely leaving out a couple, but we've worked with some absolutely wonderful musicians and they all bring in their own, you know, flavours to the live scores. Um, so, for instance, Camillo plays tabla and we always have the tabla playing going on when he's cut, when he's on board. <laughs> um, and... Um, you know, Joe, Joe Perry, for instance, would he's very much into the sort of cajon sound, cajon and, and kit. So it's a much kind of like he, he'll bring that element into it and this a samba kind of feel. Um, so we, yeah, all of those things influence what we're doing on a on a on a gig by gig basis. Um, right. So, for instance, we had um, you know we we were commissioned to do to do a piece for the old Vic tunnels as part of their Mexican day of the dead festival. And we did something with uh, Rodrigo and Gabriela were there in the, it, they, we were sort of supporting them. And we did this, this Hodorowski film and um, uh, who's the, the Mexican um, filmmaker, very, very strange filmmaker, really, really, really disturbing. <laughs> um, and for that, we kind of obviously integrated a lot of kind of the Mexican um, sounds um, but we lent quite a lot on on Ennio Morricone for that, um, and so we sort of went back to the early spaghetti western stuff and that, and 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 and, and listened to it, and then and played around with some of his ideas. So there's that in terms of the the live score stuff. Then on in terms of the the kind of the graphic novel animation and and that side of things, we're really inspired by 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 his books and by by random bits of research that we do. Um, sometimes it's, it's often other people's bookshelves. I don't know if you find this, Jason, but, I, you know, you, you kind of get bored of your, your own books, don't you? You, you, you go through them uh, and try and find stuff and you're like, no, it's no good. Nothing, nothing there that, that is uh, inspiring. And then you go around someone's house and you're just like, wow, <laughs> there's this entire, you know, trove of, of inspiration um so yeah recently i was at a friend's house and, and her her father's a, a writer and he was collecting all these books to create 
a, a dictionary of mythology. So this massive um, section is library dedicated to mythology. And I just borrowed um, three or four books from there. And um, the Joseph Campbell um, mythology series was amongst them. And I found that incredibly inspiring for, for what we've been creating the last 12 months and what we're now touring next year. Um, partly because he charts the entire prehistory of uh, mythology right back sort of 40,000 years back to cave paintings and spends these, these, these four really epic books talking about how we use sort of gods and monsters and the sun and the moon and sacrifice to, to, to get to grips with, the, with our world. Um, and that was just a huge inspiration um, for in creating um, this year. Right. So, yeah, so there's two sort of elements. One of them is very much a literary source and the other ones are very much a musical source. So you were talking about um, how sometimes the band you work, or the group of musicians you work with can change in structure. So I wanted to know, is, is form sort of following your inspiration or is your inspiration leading you to what the form then of the group of people is that you work with? That's a, yeah, another good question. <laughs> um, I think it's very much using the creativity and the skills and expertise and the flair, uh, you know, what the, the, the Spanish um, gypsies call duende, which is this kind of like passion that you have as a musician. And when you're in an improvised group, we, we, when you've got a group of people together, um, you, you, what I'm doing is working with their, with their duende and their, their kind of what they, what they give to the, um, to the room. So in that, to the rehearsal room. So in that respect, I think in answer to your question, it's very much about who you're working with. And from that emerges the, the, the creation um, rather than sort of imposing anything necessarily at the beginning. We'll start, we do start with, you know, it's, it is, it's not a, a mad sort of freeform jazz improv. <laughs> uh, we do all bring things to the table, um, but those things are very specific to those musicians. You know, as I gave some examples before about all the different kind of world music elements that, that get brought and the, the instruments themselves. Um, that's where where the the inspiration comes from the scores um in terms of the were you specifically talking about the music there or, or also the other sort of aspect of it or just everything all aspects really um uh. because i think you know we, we'd spoken previously uh, or just before we started recording about how you get those different people in the room and that is what can spark your idea so i didn't know whether you had an idea for a project and you thought, oh, I need these people, or maybe it's a little bit looser. And once you get those people together, then the idea for the project then sort of presents itself. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. I think in terms of a commission, when 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 we're commissioned to do something, then I'll find the 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 right people to to work with but once they're in the room with me that you know people that I really trust then I'm 
I, th- I hope <laughs> they might, you know, c- contradict me <laughs> privately, but I hope I'm very sort of hands off in terms of allowing them to then shape things creatively. Um, and one of the best, one of the, the reasons I've chosen to work with those particular people is because they have, as, as I described it, that sort of duende or like that spirit and that flair to be able to offer things towards the, the the live score or in the case of the sort of other you know workshop projects to be able to kind of um put forward ideas and feel free to and feel like in a really sort of you know it's a very much a, a sort of equal process and and to feel confident that they they can suggest things uh, so in terms of the musicians that I've worked with it's very much about them offering things and then those being becoming part of the score um, or being shaped or sculpted, or even you know we can suggest things. So like um, quite interestingly, uh, you know you could have they might not have played an instrument for several years, or they might have just bought it, and they, and you're like, oh let's let's hear that right now. <laughs> that could work with this. So there's a lot of accidental things that seem to happen within the rehearsal space, which is sort of this this magic, you know what the um, the surrealists loved what they called the sort of um, the magic of chance encounter, and right. I think that has has to have that has to happen with everybody in the room together, and without too much of a predestination. You have a project, and you have a commission, you have a a deadline. You can't work without a deadline; it's impossible. And you have to create a piece of work often under some, and often that deadline might be a matter of you know weeks if you. If you don't have a budget for a long R&D process, which we rarely have, then those people need to be, that creative process is happening really fast. But within that, there is there's so much opportunity for sort of accidents to shape things, uh, really literally down to things like, you know, someone dropping something or someone accidentally, you know, hitting something at the wrong time. And then it's, oh, oh hold on, wait a minute. That sounds good. This is the Confidently Creative Podcast with me, Jason Ward, and my special guest, Kieran Chiswick. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast absolutely free of charge, and you can follow me on Instagram at Jason Ward Creative. Now let's get back to the episode. There are a whole load of people that engage with creativity or maybe don't think that they can. And I'm thinking particularly of businesses uh, and people that maybe don't think they're in the creative industries. What advice would you give to them to help maybe discover or become more creative i think in within any organization whether it's a business or whether it's an arts organization or 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 whatever their focus um, whatever their reason there's going to be a, a different you know a very different group of people together within that and there is going to be within your organization people who are inherently sort of sparky people, if I can put it that way. Do you know what I mean by sparky? In the, 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 the sort of people that you could sit down with, like my my, my uh, friend and, and, and colleague, Hannah Eaton, who I've been working with recently. And, and you, can, you can sit down with these people and within literally 10 minutes, they'll be firing off ideas at an incredible rate. And it's there in their, you know, that they have the faculty to be able to do that. Right. Um, and, and those people are probably within every organisation. Well, they definitely are. And I, I wonder whether there's a way of sort of 
finding out the person that might not necessarily be, for instance, the most organized or get back to emails in a timely fashion or <laughs> be able to complete the spreadsheet correctly, whatever. But they might be they might be one of these very sparky people that can also just literally have a whole bunch of ideas of, of moving from where you are to where you could be. And the way you could be is obviously a multiplicity of places. You've got the, the, the entire journey is is out there. And the idea of the creative journey is that you you have no idea where you where you're going, really. You know, you have, that's there's no there should be no set, you know, map, as it were, because that's shutting down other possibilities. So on the one hand, you've got you've got the person who needs to take. To, to sort of like to, to sculpt that journey and to say okay we, you know we're taking these steps we're going this way but you also need somebody else who's looking at the, the the kind of breadth of opportunity and might have that sort of spark where they can say you know that why don't why don't we try this or why don't we try this or this this is this is an option we haven't looked at yet and I feel like those people are in, in every organization. So yeah, my 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 advice, I think, in that respect would be um, you know, how do you sort of tap into that uh, within your organization? How can you allow for that eat, whether it's you know, a sort of a sandbox day where, where people have that, that opportunity to be able to sort of show that they can do that. And it also draws out creativity in everybody else because we're all inherently very creative pe- uh, people. People are creative. And sometimes it's about your confidence as a creative. You know, have you in your life been given the confidence to be creative? And maybe speaking with with, with a sort of more sparky person is going to bring that out of you and bring your spark out. So it's, I think there's a sort of uh, an opportunity there for that to be a little bit contagious um, and, to, and for other people to then sort of um, fire off it. You create in a room with with people, so each of those people has to have space and has to feel secure that they can contribute, and their contribution will be respected. Yes, and I, I'd like you to talk about if you were in a non-creative business, like how how do you give people space? You talked about you know the sparky people, but what do you think people in a regular business, a non-creative business, could learn from your process? I think the best when I've worked in, in, in when I've worked with organization, not as a create, you know, not as an independent, but when I've been working, you know, on a contract and I've worked with organizations for a period of months. Um, one of the most uh, creative and most kind of valuable experiences I've had has been when we've had the opportunity to get together in, in a very sort of in not necessarily that informal, but an opportunity where people have the chance to be able to do something together that is a shared endeavor. And it can be so basic. It can be like sit down with a large piece of paper and, you know, give us a spidergram of where, of all the possible, uh, you know, all the possible ways in which this organization might be able to, do this project or might be able to to improve by the way they treat each other and the 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 atmosphere is absolutely brilliant you know it's it's not always uh it's not always smiles and there's actually quite a lot of friction but of course that's life and you know in any organization often the issue is that those frictions are not 
a, people are not able to outwardly express them and they then you end up with a lot of passive aggression. But I think in those contexts, when you have the friction, but you also have a lot of play and an opportunity to create, um, I think that can be, that can really allow space for people to sort of think um, more creatively. Um, and it can be, it can be a really simple thing of like, there's like a half hour session where, where literally people down tools and go and do something that is a shared and it's not like go and play ping pong, but it's something where people are, are, are doing something creatively that from which might emerge possible solutions to issues or possible um, options for their journey, for their sort of the, for the creative journey of that business. There's been a lot of research done into this, but there's also some really obvious ways to do this and not to do this and I've been in both <laughs> um, and the way that I found has not been so successful has been when you've got large groups in a sort of conference style thing or any more than any more than four four in a group will quash or squash I'm not sure what's the right verb there <laughs> the the creative impulse of individuals because people are nervous talking in large groups and by which I mean any more than three and even that can be challenging and they're also um it's it's a very sort of if you're going to get the best out of individuals you can't have a situation in which you've got a large group and you're like put your hands up if who thinks this you're going to have three or four people who always talk the ones that feel confident in those contexts and everybody else will say nothing so it has to be stripped down and deconstructed so that it's literally really, really small, small, small groups. So I, re- I discovered a few years ago that my, I had this ancestor who had worked in the Yiddish theatre um, in the 1900s. And my dad, um, he, he started to get obsessed with this this character as you do at that age in your life you know you're really interested in your heritage and he said oh you've got to read this it's incredible she's she appeared in kafka's diaries and all this and i thought this is absolute nonsense you know uh there's no way that the, the history can corroborate this um anyway i sort of put it away and then i came back to the diaries um a few years later when i was having my own sort of interest in that heritage um which wasn't there from from my my early days. It was kind of like my my uh, Jewish heritage was something that I kind of discovered much later on, really. So I started to read the diaries and I looked at the dates and I realised that there was this character uh, Mania Chizik, who was touring with the Yiddish theatre um, in and she was in Prague in 1910-1911 with her husband Emmanuel, and they met. And, and Franz Kafka went to see them perform in a, a very sort of small theatre space called the Café Savoy. It might have even been the sort of corner of, of the cafe, to be honest. You know, this was really like basic theatre stuff, you know, pop-up theatre stuff. Um, the, I mean, the Yiddish theatre had been going for, it was very young, in fact. It was like 40, 30, 40 years old. Maybe not even that. Um, so I started to research her story and she had the most incredible story. Um, she was, uh, she eloped with my great, great grandfather, Emmanuel, from a village in, in uh, Poland. 
um, which was then the sort of Paler settlement, which was um, a predominantly Jewish uh, shtetl. And they ran off together and uh, joined the theatre. He was already in the theatre and they sort of literally ran off and joined the theatre, you know, like the way you ran off and joined the circus, like we've always wanted to. <laughs> and they toured around Europe um, for, um, for tw- uh, you know, 15 years and met uh, Kafka in Prague and he saw them perform and he was totally enraptured by her and enraptured by the theatre. And he thought this was incredible. So he was from this kind of middle European um, Jewish background, which was quite sort of conservative. And, and, and you know, um, it wasn't that passionate. It wasn't kind of, you know, rootsy and earthy, earthy, I should say. And, and when, he's, when he heard Yiddish being spoken, he saw their kind of melodramatic performances. He thought, this is amazing. This is my, you know, this is my roots. This is where I belong. And it, it really inspired his his interest in Judaism and his own Jewishness. Um, so they were to, they met together and 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 then and there's some absolutely wonderful uh, bits in the diary of, of of them sitting around a table and you know the the Chiswicks are talking about where they're going to go to next and they they got no money and how are they going to get there and their kids are there at the table and Kafka makes this comment and says you know their children were there and their children were oblivious to the problems that their parents had you know as you are at that age and this was my great grandfather which is absolutely amazing to think um and then she traveled to uh to Whitechapel um and Whitechapel obviously was a very predominantly Jewish area where a lot of immigrants had come um in 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 that wave of immigration to the UK and settled in 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 Whitechapel and there were several Yiddish theatres and she worked in the Yiddish theatres from 19 from 8 yeah 19 um 14, 1915, uh, into to, to 1960, 1960 something. So, so she worked there for into, into her 80s, which was absolutely amazing. So she's been like a real sort of uh, a lodestar for me um, because of the, the, you know, it was a very tough life, but she was utterly committed to the theatre. Um, and, you know, she was so massively hyperactive by the sounds of it <laughs> and constantly doing projects and constantly involved in different, you know, theatre productions. Um, so I feel like for, for me, I, I look at her life and what she did and that she was just totally dedicated to 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 being this creative force. And I sort of feel like that's 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 a real inspiration for me. Right. Um, is, is there, are there any parallels in your work? Do you feel that you're inspired by her or anything from your cultural heritage that inspires your work? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, there's so much, I've got so much interest in, well, in, over the years we've, we've, uh, we've, you, you know, we've, we've been really interested. Everyone I've played with is, is fascinated by klezmer, for instance, um, the Jewish folk music that, um, is used at wedding was used at weddings and and all sorts of celebrations um and i f- and that been had a direct influence on what we do but also things like the the incredible animation from 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 the jewish animators like yuri norstein so we we, we started touring something last year tentatively called hedgehog in the fog which is this 10 minute film made by him um and 
it was I was really worried that it was going to be it was going to bomb. I was worried that people that the families and kids would just be like, this is boring. <laughs> and they were absolutely captivated, as I was, by it. Um, it feels like it's a it's a Russian film, but it's a Russian Jewish film. Um, it's got a flavor of that about it. Um, and which you'll hopefully you'll come and see it sometime this year. Um, as part of our, our touring festival that we're doing. Um, and, and I feel that those animators um, and also filmmakers, so people uh, like Vertov, um, him and his brother were Jewish, Ukrainian Jewish, uh, sorry, Russian Jewish, but lived in Ukraine and filmed in Ukraine. Uh, and the film Man with a Movie Camera there. I feel like the, that that is a, is a direct link to, to that heritage in, in the creatives um, that, you know, of the last century in particular, I'm sort of fascinated with the 20th century. Um, and I feel like cultural heritage is there. Um, so there's the sort of musical heritage in terms of klezmer, but also the, the you know, the, what those, those individuals did. This is the Confidently Creative Podcast with me, Jason Ward, and my special guest, Kieran Chiswick. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast absolutely free of charge, and you can follow me on Instagram at Jason Ward Creative. Now let's get back to the episode. There, there was so much interchange between all the cultural uniforms you know, and and the, the travelling, obviously you had travelling Jewish people picking yep. up stuff and giving stuff, you know, and, and all these interplays. And then the politics, of course, is, is the thing that then... Uh, sort of creates these these artificial barriers to that i should also mention actually um jason i wanted to ma- mention that um because i've, I've actually my 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 mom's scottish and her heritage is is also really important which is that she, her her father was a, an organist in um it was a church organist and a choir master and i was brought up as you know in, in in very much a choral sort of house and became a chorister as well at Winchester and I think an equal amount of my you know journey culturally has been about the the voice and and you know the the the, the importance of that choral background and I'm just I absolutely love choral work and whenever I've had the chance to work with amazing singers like you know Fiona Fay and and so on and 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 have that choral element that sort of soars over the top you know a bit like the sort of Ennio Morricone scores where you've got that that this the, the soaring voice but most recently what we've done is got children and families to join with us in creating live sound effects using their voices and the vocal mimicry is always a really fun part of the of the the workshops so we get them to do all sorts of things like, you know, give me the sound of an owl, give me the sound of a pigeon. <laughs> and then, you know, we can, it's, it's very, it's, it's fun because everybody's got their sort of, their, 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 what they imagine these birds to sound like. But then someone in the audience will say, oh, no, that, that's the male so-and-so owl. This is the female so-and-so owl. And you'll get some ornithologist who will like start to do these incredible you know, mimics of of the of bird life or whatever it is, or and everyone's got their own sort of strength in terms of vocal um, mimicry. I'm sure you've got your own 
uh, stock and trade there, you know, in terms of like, give me the sound of the, of, of the waves hitting the shore or the sounds of the winds and the trees. And it's, it's lovely to hear how people can, can sort of come forward with these, these really interesting versions of the, of the natural world. I like that. I like the sense of having the performance shaped in real time by the audience's response. And when you were talking earlier about the people in the room, the we've had such an exciting journey in the last year with the Enchanted Cinema, which is our sort of most recent manifestation, which is very much a family interactive um, project. And that is all about what happens in the room. Um, Obviously, we need we get to the place where where they're, they're, everybody's doing live sound effects and everyone's queued up. We have this incredibly fast rehearsal. It's really funny, you know, literally half an hour rehearsal, half an hour performance. But what happens in that is just so funny. There's so many different versions and so many things happen by accident. We were in one venue and we needed the sound of a, a horse, you know. Uh, eating grass and there was there was a woman there eating popcorn <laughs> so I ran over to her with a microphone and she was I think it was popcorn in her mouth to get the sound right and you know in the middle of the performance I'd run over to, in the middle of the actual film I'd run over and she'd quickly shovel this popcorn in her mouth but um, it's stuff like that you know the, the the accidental that just is kind of and if you're open to that and very which which everyone is everyone is once they get in there and they can feel there's a sort of genial atmosphere and it's quite playful then that 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 magic is is you know very very much uh it's really inspiring really shapes shapes everything going forward you can take bits and think oh that worked then and do that in subsequent performances and so on yeah and I think that's really important as well and I always say to people that I'm working with that you have to look at every performance that you've done whether you're doing something like you're doing which is created almost at an improvisational level or whether you're a cabaret performer that's got you know a 45 minute set of songs you need to look at that and and analyze it honestly how, how do you analyze that honestly whether you think it's gone well or not that's really really hard biggest challenge i'd say because you've got the problem of people's inherent you know <laughs> politeness obviously and that can be, that's just not what you need. What you need is like brutal honesty, but you'll never get that unless you've got someone in the audience who's, for instance, a producer. So we've we've had the fortune of working with some really great producers over the years. Um, we're working with a new producer next year uh, for this tour. Um, and we, you know, very much at early stages of the process is we get as much feedback from 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 them as possible. Um, we also have a, a questionnaire, like an anonymous questionnaire, but we also have a comments book. The comments book's lovely because you get lovely comments in. <laughs> but what you also need is the anonymous questionnaire, which then allows people to feel more free about giving you feedback that you need. We've videoed ourselves and watched, you know, how we could do things better. That's always really important. Um, but that doesn't really, it's not as good as having an experienced producer to help you. But yeah, I think having a pair of of, 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 of eyes in the audience um, of someone who's being very, very objective is, is, is critical, um, you know, uh, uh, for any sort of creative journey. Um, I think what's harder is when you're putting something out there 
that's you know for instance a, a short film or a you know when you're perhaps you haven't had as much input audience input and you can't shape it because it's finished we talked a lot about the stuff that you've been doing and you said that you're going to go out on tour so this is our kind of final question of today uh, what are you working on now so we, we've got a really exciting project called the Tree Festival of Live Cinema, um, which is touring around the South in 2023, starting in April. And that's a collaboration with a graphic novelist, Hannah Eaton, who we've worked with over many years. Um, but it's all sort of inspired by Studio Ghibli. So there's quite a lot of interest in what we did last year with a film called The Red Turtle, which is this wordless fable made by Studio Ghibli. Absolutely stunning film. And we started to get um, audiences to help us create sound effects for that, the sound of an island. Um, and the audience was getting younger and younger. So we get more and more interest from, from you know, older children coming and, and being part of that, which was absolutely amazing. By the end of that tour, we had sort of four, 20, maybe 30% were, were under 18, which is absolutely brilliant. So we realised we had something really exciting there with Studio Ghibli. Um, and there's the show, the show that's just finished at the Barbican, um, my neighbor Totoro. Um, so we're using um, that film by them for this tour, and we go. We 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 we're going back to Hedgehog and the Fog because it was such a massive hit, the Yuri Norstein film. And those are the two films that we've got that we're working with families to create um, a live uh, score, a live effect performance. So again, it's like about half an hour uh, of um, of of rehearsal and then half an hour performance right and so uh, we've also got a workshop that we've been we created with hannah uh which is inspired by yan piao pian pian waskis i've really struggled to pronounce his name it's a polish name so i should be good at it <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he he did he created this pop-up book um called haunted house which is absolutely wonderful you might know it from like i think it was 1979 or something and it's just a wonderful book. Um, and that has been a huge inspiration for us to create uh, the Treehouse Workshop. And in that, we ask children to create three-dimensional sort of animated sets with pop-up parts. So they have, can have moving parts. And then we put that into a plywood model house. And then we, we film the rooms. And the rooms will have these interesting kind of mythical beasts and so on and occupying them and then we uh we get the kids to kind of create a sort of enchanted forest setting using actual branches from trees so you can imagine that the, the camera sort of tracks forward and the branches start to you know uh start to to to, to come apart and then you see the tree house with all its rooms that have been created by the kids so we're touring these two um, workshops sort of side by side and uh, we've got some amazing venues. We're back at the Royal Albert Hall, um, the Elgar Room, and then we're at JW3, which is the uh, Jewish Cultural Centre in North London. We're at Pornsey Library. We're at the Spring Arts and Heritage Centre in Havant, which is absolutely amazing place. Um, Sandy Hill Arts in uh, Corfe Castle, which is wonderful. It's the first ever performance we'll be doing there. And we, we, we're hoping to do a whole day of events there. Um, we're at the Bright Foundation in Hastings, which is a lovely venue. And they've got a family festival and we're going to be there for two days. And we're back at Beef in Boscombe, of course. 
Um, and then we're finishing off at Dalston Castle. So um, that's all the tour dates. <laughs> wow. And what I'll do is I'll put all the links to that in the show notes as well. So oh, amazing. Can, Thank yeah, you. So yeah. People listening, they can just uh, click onto that also. Excellent. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for your time today, Kieran. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank it. you. It was really, and, um, really enjoyable. Yeah, we'll catch up again soon. Thank you for listening to Confidently Creative. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget, subscription is free, and you can follow me on Instagram at Jason Ward Creative. Please feel free to leave me a review and share the show. I look forward to catching up with you soon on Confidently Creative.